Hello and welcome to the Emotive Pixels podcast. This is season three, episode two. We're back this week to discuss immortality in more depth and with even more spoilers. I am your host again, Nate, and with me today is three wonderful people. They are Craig Schumann, Will Atkinson, and Paulie Kroll. Before we begin today and re-describe immortality in better detail than we did last week, we have an opening question from Will, who I think is antagonistically deciding on what our questions are at this point. What's the question, Will? What is the best two-parter? You're going first, Will. Sure. Well, since we all know that the actual answer to this question is yin and yang, the best two-parter, the whole spiritual concept with, you know, having... Oh, my God. Completing one part within the other part. Oh, my um, God. That's not really my answer. What my a answer, galaxy of course, great is answer. 69. It's like me saying yoga to yoke to unite. Anyways. The real answer is the best of both worlds, part one. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Very good. This was a pivotal moment in my childhood uh, for you kids who weren't around at the time. One of the season finales, I think it was season three of Star Trek. The Next Generation, at the end of the episode, Picard gets abducted by the Borg and becomes Locutus. And at the end of the episode, or the, the Borg are introduced for the very first time, brought in from the Delta Quadrant, and they're fucking badasses destroying everything. And um, you don't know at the end of the episode whether or not Picard's going to come back for the next season or not, and everything's going to be weird. They brought on a character to basically replace uh, replace him already and uh, apparently behind the scenes there was a bunch of talk about whether or not Patrick Stewart would actually return he was unhappy with his contract at the time so leading into the end of the season it was really serious nail biter and then had to wait for months to figure out what was going to happen and that was a crazy experience as a child best of both worlds I'm still reeling from the what I thought was the serious selection of yin and yang which is it just would have been very good. Um, my best two-parter is my ex-wife's last name, which was hyphenated. What? I'm just kidding. I don't have an ex or current wife. Yeah. I was going to uh, say, wait, is there whoa. something I did not know? I'm having a really hard time with this prompt, so I'm going to say Dead Space 1 and 2, where we learned that religion was bad in Dead Space 1, and in Dead Space 2, we learned that our ex-wives all suck. Is that actually the takeaway from Dead Space 2? I'm, I mean, I feel like all the Dead Space games are religion bad. Okay. And then also I have a complicated relationship with my ex-girlfriend is like the other half, and I don't think the games are about anything more than that. And anyway, that's your favorite the, part, too. Yeah, let me let me just explain your, the joke here. Yeah. The, the joke is that there was a Dead Space 3, and people think it's bad, and I think it's totally fine, but I'm playing by the joke. Because I can't think of a two-parter, because this question is hard. Dead Space 3 is a good two-parter. There's the two characters. Oh, wait. That, play both fuck, of the that fuck, he was right. Characters. I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like we need a definition of yeah. two-parter, because yeah. that is Hold not on. a two-parter. That <laughs> is literally a two-player video game. Okay, All Craig, right. what's yours? Mine's uh, Outcast. Speaker box and love below. Fantastic two parter album of uh, great two parter. Yeah, Andre three thousand with uh, his album and Big Boy with his album, and both have 
incredible standout tracks that still hold up to this day. It's one of the probably one of the classic double albums, at least within hip hop. Um, I would argue to say it's probably one of the more classic double albums in music. It's a little funny that they both guest star on each other's albums, but you know, you know, makes it a two parter, both sides. That's a great one. I feel like you did the homework, Craig. Yeah, my, I was like, mine's just serious. There's not like a double yeah. entendre. There's no crazy joke that's sitting under beneath it. It's just, well. I feel like the fact that Outkast themselves being a two-part a band yeah. is, a, is a great. I followed the narrative thread all the way through. So, Thinking uh, from all genius. angles as this, usual. This man is a genius. <laughs> yes, Give indeed. this man a prize. Yep. <laughs> well, Speaking of genius answers. Yeah, bring us home, Polly. Polly. I finally came. It's been so Crazy. such a journey to come to this answer, and I finally found it moments before I had to talk. And it's so obvious because it's not only the second best-selling double album uh, of all time, but it's also my favorite album, Pink Floyd's The Wall. It's God. a double album, which I'm going to count one. as a two-parter, okay. even though it's really just one piece released in two parts. Well, whatever. Um, Michael Jackson's... His his story is the best yeah. selling double album of all time, I guess. Is it really? I guess so. Huh. But uh, Pink Floyd's "The Wall" is the That's second best selling, thirty million copies worldwide. There's a what's story the, too, but I'm not going to say it. What's know. the his story numbers like? Is thirty million like insanely high? Million, over thirty three million. Okay, so yeah, thirty is insanely high. Then that's cool and crazy. Yeah, the thirty million for any record is absurdly high since most artists are incredibly happy and have a mega hit on their hands if they make it over 1 million think about the dinosaurs that died for 30 million records do you guys know that taylor swift can you explain that thought name no have all of her albums they've all been over a million haven't they on the billboard top 10 she's got all 10 songs right now does she are you serious yeah i did not know the crazy thing about Taylor Swift's record sales is the fact that nobody actually buys albums anymore except for tw- Taylor Swift fans. Yeah. It, yeah. Her like numbers are truly bonkers yeah. right now. The fact that there's a Midnight's edition of her latest album, I was like, well, fuck, she's even got me. Fuck. I mean, the name of the album is Midnight's. Sorry. I mean, 3 a.m. edition, my bad. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You'll understand. <laughs> I'm three hours <laughs> off. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, that's uh, me. I mean, that is a. Well, hmm. I. I, th- I guess a, maybe a better answer to mine would have been like, I like the idea of like a light and a dark side of a record where like the same versions are covered and like Taylor Swift's a good example, but it's been a DJ thing forever. I always think that's cool. It's, Some it's a better answer just... than that, that the second, that that's two games of the three game series. Those are really, I, please don't, I'm already embarrassed. Hmm. So. We're going to do a better job this week describing what immortality is. I'm going to go through this in a second, and I'm cribbing all of this from Will's excellent description last week. You can listen to our episode last week for some thoughts on what we felt like after playing the game, but this week we're back with more informed thoughts based on playing it more, analyzing it more, watching more YouTube, stuff like that. So immortality at the high level is a game where you've pieced together fragments of three films to figure out what happened to each of their protagonists, Marissa and Marcel. There are three films whose plot description you can listen to in that episode. The answer to what happened to Marissa Marcel is that she was 
selected at a young age by a supernatural other being for her ability to like represent artistic talent and was consumed or possessed, we don't really know, by the supernatural force and used throughout her life to make two movies. And there was a long break and the supernatural force got bored and lost their main other counterpart, the other one, and felt bored and wanted to create again and brought her back to life and then began to also take on the role of a director and sort of used up all of her energy in doing so and became spent. And then at the end of the game, quote unquote, the end of the game, dies, but also discovers that there's a way to become even more immortal by passing through us, the players, viewing the act of the, their death to live on through us, the players, and thus attain immortality, at least as long as the video game is being discussed. Where'd you get that last bit? From a YouTube video. And also my brain, Although, but mainly the YouTube video. I feel like there's one piece missed there because there's two beings, right? And one mm. of them is, one of them there's dies. At least three. Okay. Well, one of them dies and then comes back to life yes. because they're seen in the movie screen and that's how they're able to pass through and that's something new. And after they come back, they have a different perspective on humanity and to their purpose as a one of the others that has immortality. Yeah. Yeah, can I talk Good about that scene real quick? Yeah. So there's a scene uh with the other one that is one of the reverse scenes in Two of Everything where he's holding the one and they're like in a pool and it's like she's dying kind of and he's sitting there talking to her and she's like you're, you're back. Where did you come from? And it it sounds like kind of what Craig's describing, you know, that um, he was brought back, like he, he found this other way to exist. And then he said something, he says something like, and it's just the way, or it's just like Amy told us or something. And then when that happened, I was like, what the hell? Amy, who the freak is Amy? And why would they be talking about who Amy is? Turns out Amy's the the um the hot mom. She's the brunette, yeah. Yeah. She's the one who you see in the like fourth reverse scene is the one who's sitting in the theater watching the other one die. And it was like and from watching the other one die is how she was reborn. And so I'm not quite sure how the other one comes back, but that's how Amy comes back, and apparently that's how you get the, the trophy. I figured that out along the way as well. Um, so yeah, the, the two of them are definitely aware of Amy. So there's three at the very least. Well, so Amy is the reincarnation of the other one. Didn't you just say that? No. She, they, because she's sitting the in other the theater one while talks the other about, one dies. The other one talks about Amy. And they both talk about Amy like she is a third entity. Yeah, I remember seeing that scene in the pool where they're like, she taught me how to come back or something like that i forget exactly what the terminology was but i remember them talking yeah. about another being so basically amy comes back by watching the other one die and that presumably teaches him how to come back herself her himself i mean craig feel free to jump in here but even from the lore explainers i've watched amy is not another one herself until she sees that scene and that's when the other one enters through her that was my understanding as well was that Amy was only inhabited as the other one, but wasn't one 
I didn't see any of the explainers that articulated there was anything more than two at any given time. That they made so also, even the ones I don't may know have inhabited about the name. more than one person, but De- that, definitely not a two thing either. Because in the very first scene of the game, where Marissa is talking, is basically doing the publicity for it. There's a reverse scene in that very scene where the the one is basically giving a straight up exposition about what she is, who her people are, what she's trying to do through art, and basically says she is more like an element, uh, like a, a part of existence. And then he says almost exactly that art. So you guys are like angels or something or vampires, and they they're kind of like eh. And then the the other one shows up in that scene as well. And um, I, I think, yeah, he straight up asks, like, are you angels? And he's like, well, that was just a story because it all kind of applies. But the, the basic gist that comes from that scene is that they're like elements. Like she describes herself as being water that rains from the sky, falls into the or falls into the mountains, melts into the stream, runs down to the river and then comes back up into the sky like that concept that that flowing ever f- changing form of existence is the 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 kind of personification of that is what they are i was going to say that they are or have existed forever as well right because one of them mentions being crucified right essentially getting into that space of like i was jesus at one point and then i went into the rock and then i came out and was reborn 3 days later right so like they've existed forever in some capacity as well yeah they talk about they talk about that she talks about you know going through the different ways of how to kill them the the death and rebirth piece she talks about um uh they in order to like get a new life they have to die and event and apparently she drowned herself a bunch of times in in the early on and, and she's like now i can just lay down and stop breathing like she's gotten used to it or, you know, being able to just kill herself on a whim. Like, ah, that's weird. Yeah, I, I mean, want... I definitely think there's more than two of those beings, but I think as far as the story goes, there's only two, right? That we see or that meet or maybe even that are alive at this point. Why do you think the two of them would be talking about Amy? Because the one of them had inhabited Amy for a long time. Yeah. I also, I, the problem I'm having, like, I agree with Will that there's th- three that are referenced in the story, but I don't know why they would call it Amy. Like, those two don't have names, but the, and then there's Amy is a strange thing to me. But I do remember that scene where he talks about how, how she taught him to come back to life. There's like, also a, that's something yeah, I that's, clearly recall. There's also a scene where, like, he doesn't say what a name is, but he says, when she taught me to come back to life, because she, the other lady's talking to him. Uh, I think I just kind of undercut myself as I was thinking about it. But there's a scene that... <laughs> this um, great point. Crap. Where, um, where Maria goes and actually kills the billionaire. Uh, speaking of which, I figured out some of the details around the end of that that made things more clear. But as she kills the end, there's a reverse scene where the one is killing him instead... And it becomes like way more personal, but kind of at the end of that scene, Maria's just standing in the background, and she like turns and looks, and they like have this bit of eye contact that is really interesting. Uh, if well, you think that fine. they are two different people, 
Interesting. I just realized, do you think uh, it was Maria? Because there's two of them, like Maria, Maria, like the song. So like a... Could be. There's hmm. a lot of like duplication and stuff. There's a lot of... Um, I think I brought this up a little bit last time. There's a lot of like characters being recast and uh, like char- characters taking on the same role, even though they're slightly different in them in all three movies. What else have we learned from our video thinking pieces? Will, you sent me a series of pictures out of context, including some of a person of color that I did not recognize from any of our early watchings. What was that all about? Who was that? Oh, yeah. So there's a scene in Two of Everything after uh, Maria's body double dies and Maria is looking at herself in a mirror and the, the, the director's kind of coaching her to like pretend you're looking at yourself and remembering who you used to be and who you could be. And if you do the re- reverse on that scene, you actually see a bunch of other people that the one had been. Um, and so that's who I was getting confused with last time we were talking when I thought, you know, there were at least, uh, I think I had mentioned there was at least a, a gentleman of color as an, another one of the others. But that was actually another personality that she had been over her lifetime. And then in that scene, she actually says, I can't even remember all of the all of the faces that I've been before, which I thought was uh, sad and interesting all at the same mm-hmm. time. Do you, this is kind of a step back into gameplay mechanics, but do you think that um that you sort of unlock the ability to see more scenes in a given scene as you progress through the game? I ask this because after playing with you, I went back to my save game and was trying to rewind through scenes that I knew had extra stuff and didn't quite see them. It might have been an error on my part, but yeah. Yeah, it's unclear. Um, this does kind of uh, bring me to one of the questions I wanted to ask for the group. For We kind of did this one a little bit different and decided that we weren't going to start, you know, quote-unquote researching or bringing in additional information until after that last podcast. What was the first thing you attempted to research uh, about this game? Why don't we start with you, Nate, because I think I know your answer. Yeah, so I was interested in, like, what film is being parodied here? Like, what what are these three films? They're so specific, there's no way these aren't references to very specific things. Um, and I can talk more about that as you want me to dive into kind of what three things are happening here. Yeah, I'm curious to hear more about that. Sure. So a lot of this I got from Sweet Chris Plant. Um, but basically Ambrosio is a parody of, in the sixties, there was something called the Hayes code. I mean, this is, I think it had been in effect for many, many years. It governed what you could and could not show on screen in Hollywood. Had a bunch of rules. I think about stuff like drinking, kind of moral panic type stuff. It had the famous rule. If there's any scene filmed in a bed, at least one character has to have one leg on the floor at all times. Uh, which I think that was prevents- a rule. Yeah, so I think the goal there is to prevent anyone from like throwing their legs up in any kind of fashion. Um, there's sort of a lot of we have that uh, same rule in dance, actually. I I need to know if that's that could be serious. Is that serious? That, ser- yeah, if you have yeah. more than one leg, up, if you don't have a leg on the ground, then it's a lift, and that's mm, whole different interesting. Thing. Okay, and the point there is, of course, to control passion and keep people Christian, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, I figured. Okay. So this sort of was dismantled 
legislatively at some point, I believe in the 60s. I think it's 65. We want to fact check me on that. Um, but more importantly, Hollywood just sort of stopped obeying it a few years before it was formally dismantled. But when it was formally dismantled, there was still this peak of like Hollywood was in the mode of production of the Hayes Act. And America suddenly was able to see these like films that had more gratuity and humanity. And mm. Italian cinema had going through Hayes Code expired in 68. This sounds a lot like the Comics Code Authority. Yeah, was that also in the 60s? No, later. No, that so. was way later than that, right? Yeah. Because Com- comics had the whole reactionary movement against them, I think, later than all this. Yeah, all media has gone through this stage, right? That's why when it was like happening with games related to this in the 90s and 2000s, it was like, oh, it's just the new comics, which was the new movies, which was the new radio, which was so on so and so forth. We're going to come Com- back to that in a second. because Comics code was 50 to, to 80s. Yeah. But boy, that's a big time frame. Um, so when the Hayes Code collapsed, there was this huge movement of art going on in Italy at the time. I think it was uh, The Yellow. There's like one film house in particular that churned out movies very similar to Ambrosio. And those were like imported and dubbed into English in quite a big hurry uh, right around the time the Hayes Code collapsed as a result to like audiences having the ability to see these things, but Hollywood not having geared up yet to produce them. Um. There is a thought or a school of analysis that this game is making commentary on exactly what Craig said, that, that this is video games is similar moment that the legislation in like 2008 is, uh, I think it was 2008 when California, there were those restrictions beginning to be placed on what age of people could buy what type of games. And when that was struck down, the ruling to back that up was that video games are art. And that was kind of the formal declaration of when we, of when at least government and media decided that video games are art. So I think there's some, there might be some parallel there and we could maybe discuss and dig into the, like the cultural meat of how this game is responding to that in some ways. Cause I think immortality is a product of its time in the video game industry as well in 2022. There aren't a lot of games like this. Yeah. And we could maybe talk about that a bit more, but uh, then Minsky as Chris plant informed me and what I had read and learned about, is kind of the work of, uh, I forget what the age is called. It's a specific age of Hollywood, but it was regarded for really wide innovation and lots of really cool things coming out. And with a cultural, like historical lens, what we see is that a lot of that was based on kind of theft of black and underground creators uh, making things on the indie scene. And this was Hollywood kind of adopting a lot of those radical uh, traits from earlier years and kind of putting white actors and sort of co-opting in that way and apparently there's a lot of like uh parallels there in minsky to those kind of films from that his era i was curious with minsky was it based on any existing content that was something that was caught by surprise that some of these were based on a book or some other form of external media do you know if minsky had any place there i do not does anyone else know Kind of has a very, uh, what do you call it, noir vibe. Yeah. And I don't think we know as much about two of everything, especially since it was kind of unfinished in the form it's presented in the game. But I think the thought there is kind of that the the way that it spirals and bloats out of control is a reflection of both uh, 
the one consuming two roles and trying to like take on a little too much and burning herself out as well as I think it's supposed to represent kind of the consumption of females within Hollywood in kind of a parallel track. But I don't know as much about, I think it's like pretty like the shooting style, I think is similar to Rowan Polanski films, but I don't really know a lot more than that. That movie feels really familiar. I like, there's a bunch of like, I think we talked about, uh, parent trap trading places, that whole concept around the beginning of being able to do VFX in film in, in the first place. Uh, that was kind of one of the first, um, yeah, it was kind of a big deal to act against yourself. I mean, there's there's also a mirror between that movie and the one because it was the first one. It's the first film in the game where the one inhabits two people, right? Both Marissa and John simultaneously. Two of everything. Yep, it's a great two-parter. I like. I I did look up. Um, there's a Washington Post article. Yeah. on the game and um how they described it final film two of everything is a princess and the pauper tale mixed with a me too revenge thriller um and then it goes on uh That's violence great. against women how the notion of bad behavior by powerful men changes over that decades cases of mistaken or assumed identity and how those identities interact with one's supposed real identity public perception and rebirth hmm. yeah that yeah. makes a lot of sense i feel like if i was going to dig like have a discussion with you guys about like it feels like as a film in this game two of everything is kind of the closest to what sam barlow might be trying to say in this game and i think a lot of those things you just listed are like parts of the theme of immortality but i haven't had a good i don't think i've been able to like synthesize exactly what i think the big statement is here uh, something I would like to to dive back to later in our conversation. But before we move into a topic as big as that, <laughs> with your yeah, research, I guess that is kind of a conclusion. Yeah, with your research specific around the films and things of that nature, did that shape or change the direction of how you thought about this, or was it just an extra kind of wrinkle to wrap around the existing art that you had already, you know, watched? No, to me, that's just concept. I feel like my relationship with film is weird in that I often, I just haven't seen a lot of movies and I d- don't often I don't make the time to watch true a lot anymore. of them. Well, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Like, what, I've seen 55 to 60? That's not very many. In the last how many years? 34. Well, all right. That's I tried to keep, even the baby ones are in there. Okay. I have a list, everyone. I th- I don't know. I mean, I for me, I like curve. One of the things I like to get out of media I consume is links to other, like, what does this mean about the culture at the time? So I wouldn't say that learning about the film history here, like, directly informed my experience of the game, but it, 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 uh, what did I feel that, because I got in trouble with Will, because I was listening to this while we were playing the game, and Will was like, no, 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 save this for after. And I feel like the main thing that that did to me while experiencing the art was to like feel more gravitas towards like, like obviously this is a serious game. There's a lot of thought going on at every level here. It it made me feel like I should pay more attention to every little thing. 
Like if he's cribbing from specific references at times and movies, like none of these things are probably an accident. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I didn't know if there was something by going and looking up the specific references to those movies, if that not necessarily changed your interaction with the game, but if there was like a deeper awareness of, oh, this is why they chose this specific no. movie or this specific era to try and, you know. No, it could also be in. like an end to a means, though. I mean, they could have known what they wanted to say and been looking for inspiration be like i mean it could just be you know uh, i wanted to do a detective movie as well because i like detective movies yeah i really do wonder about that it does like even just talking about it to you guys in my little synopsis it does seem like the theme of all three of the types of movies are exploitation in some way well okay if minsky is based on a genre of film that historical critics would say is largely based on like lifting and exploitating previous more independent minority movements Ambrosio is also like referencing a f like a genre of film that's all about just kind of stealing the glory of like another country's film scene because we need content. I don't really know if Two of Everything has a version. I mean, I guess it's about the way modern film consumes the actors in order to produce it and like burns them out from the inside. So in a way, the three seem like consumption as the theme, but. I'm. I don't think about that when I'm not smart enough to think about that when I'm playing. It's only when I get together with you guys and talk about it. There's a lot of consumption, including the specific line that the director says in that scene that I sent you, which was when Marissa's talking to Gary, who was her uh, like manager, and he's kind of like cold-heartedly talking about, well, what are we going to do now that she's gone? And then the director is going back and forth on, well, what are we going to do here? And he's like, no, we're going to play Gary off this way. He says, uh, let's play Gary off here as revealing the worst of the commercial exploitation of the artist. Like, literally word for word from, from like, if you can't find something that that, uh, there's tons that's being exploited in that movie. It, it seems that, I think another thing that I researched is that a lot of, I don't know about a lot, but it seems that a somewhat common reaction to this is that it's a very cynical view of art, and it's like a view of art rooted in the the stories of creators who feel like, like, I forget if this was even Plant who said it, but like, if the main message here is that when you're an artist, you're just consumed by the inside to create art, like, the the thing this person said, whoever the heck it was, was like, hey, us in the audience have real fucking problems. Like, the drive to create art is not a real problem. Like, you can step away at any time, which I don't think is a very interesting read, but, like, it... I was curious if anyone else felt the more they dug into the theme here, the more the game, game kind of fell flat. What you just said really uh, made me think about an interview I, I heard recently with uh, Mars Volta, actually, was being interviewed by somebody, I can't remember who, but... um. The guitarist was talking about how he's he's put out a lot of music and he talks about yeah. how he's constantly inspired to to create but he has to like take time to like have a family and live life and stop constantly churning out music and things like that and the interviewer asked him like do you feel like that's you failing as an artist and he's like no that's me trying to be a better person um so it kind of made me think of that as a interesting as a rebuttal or response to that 
I'm also reminded of, I think it was on Topic Lords at one point, Jim uh, Storm Dancer, the creator of Frog Fractions, was just talking with random guests every week. And someone said, I think it was Tyreek, who I think made an airport for aliens run by dogs. I don't remember. But basically, this person said they were inspired only to consume as much as they create, which is a, I think artists can be driven by this idea of creation. But I think most people are constantly consuming. And to start thinking about the balance there, I think, is a, a perspective perhaps unique to artists. But I don't know. I, I, that's always stuck with me because I think that's fascinating. Could you, I don't even know if you could ever attain a one-to-one -one ratio. Yeah, that's a wild ratio of... Yeah. I mean... Even to, like, introduce a... Maybe Stephen King could do it. Yeah. Just putting out three books a year, and he's like, all right, but, I'll read but, three things but like, a year. It's weird because part of being an artist is about consuming other art as inspiration, just like, right. you know, the guitarist was talking about in that interview, Polly. It's like, it's almost like you're limiting your ability to create by... I don't know. It's just very interesting. That's fair. There's a constraint that you're putting onto it. Maybe relatedly, Will, you had an anxiety last week that the more you played this game, the more it might sort of fall apart. Do you have an update on that? Um, It wasn't as... Uh, I was a little worried that like, right outside of what I was doing was going to be like, oh yeah, if you just follow these five steps... Here's the answer, and this there's the scene right at the end where the character says, "Oh, I am the embodiment of art, and I am here to tell you that uh, corporations are evil, and you should never have to pay taxes." Um, like, fortunately, not I didn't. You didn't up, see that scene? Oh man, must have been an ambrosia. I didn't get quite through that one. <laughs> Fuck me into heaven. Yeah, I did see that one though. I feel, um, having not played the game anymore since our last episode, sorry about that, um, I feel that anxiety now, the more I hear about what actually turns out to be that background story, the less I find myself interested in it. Um, not for any reason awesome. of it being over-explained or not explained, it just doesn't seem as compelling to me as the parts of the game that I really liked, which were the interstitial... Um, like not movie scene dialogue and stuff like that, like the amazing acting by the characters and things like that. And although the acting by the one and the other one or whatever they're called, um, the acting itself is good. There's not like any relatability to it because they're like, oh, act like this thing that always and never existed. I don't know. I saw, it's just... I saw an article that kind of uh, talked about the same or similar ideas where they were like, as I started going through the game, particularly the Minsky stuff, like when you find out that um, Minsky and the um, the, the detective um, have that off-screen relationship that hinted at, but is like super, um, it's this tiny little piece of one of the scenes that I just had never seen. There's this piece where they like, uh, they go in for a kiss and she's like, no, not on camera. But it, all of a sudden that like recontextualizes and... Um, the article was talking about how like you you see that and then you're like you, when you go back through and you're like you're looking for people to like give people looks at and and like oh this person stared at this person out of context maybe he was you know 
the the scene gave him additional context on this and that and then when in this article when they learned that oh the reason they're giving them these stairs is because the one made him do it all of a sudden it like uh you know hamstrings take takes the legs away from um all the intrigue being as part of the 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 movies and um you know just this supernatural thing to kind of make it too easy and i felt that too when i saw that like almost kiss scene i like okay i'm gonna click and try to find that and it's funny because it's in the detective movie where i start like oh i have a clue i'm gonna be a detective and i don't know if they did that on purpose or not but that's what it seems like it doesn't really end up going anywhere rewarding it's like so the thing that i was excited about was just a red herring and that could be purposefully built into the game but I don't know what that would be trying to say. That's the thing. I feel like this, like us having this second conversation and saying, let's find out what this game is trying to say and listen to a bunch of people that are trying to figure out what this game is trying to say. I almost feel like is less entertaining than what this game could have done if they didn't have to do this supernatural thing, which I did find really intriguing when I first came across it, but I find myself less interested in trying to decipher now that i'm like okay now i'm gonna go back and rewind these things and because i felt like i saw enough of it like the strange scenes i saw like the the burning scene and everything like that you know were powerful enough where i didn't really feel like i needed an explanation like okay there's vampire angels whatever cool so what did you need explanation on what was the first thing you sought out uh to to study after polly I didn't really, I, I looked up one article. I didn't really look up too much, honestly, but I didn't finish the game. So that's not too surprising. Yeah, like, fair. you know, I, I looked up a bit more specific. I went kind of broad and specific. So I listened to a general spoiler cast just to hear what some other people were saying about it. But the piece that I was most curious about was, the connection between the one and who they were inhabiting at what points and at what points they took over certain people. So that was the piece that if I were to dig into the mechanical portion of this, like how you interact and how you learn about the mechanics and how you start to put things together, those pieces is still something that has like conflict with me as far as when you start learning certain things or can start rewinding versus you're learning other pieces. I don't know what the proper way to like dole that out was, but by getting both of them simultaneously, I never fully felt like I could understand either. Um, so, and I heard some people that were like, oh, I kind of really went through a lot of it, understood what the movies were and what they were about and got those out and like really understood those characters and what the different themes were at play within those whether it's expressions of like violence or sex or how art is utilized to to try and manipulate like human expression and feelings on those things i feel like and that's then what they I was... yeah and then they went back and got all of the one and the other one and were able to like contextualize and be like oh these people started to make those connections and i'm like shit, I kind of wish that it was almost like time-gated. I was like, you have to really understand these movies before you get the second piece, but I recognize that would make you have to yeah, go back and re-watch everything again, too, which would probably not be super enjoyable. I feel like that's what I was going through, and I 
um, I've now unlocked all of the two of every scene scenes. So I've seen all of the scenes from two of everything. It takes a lot of work and a lot of scrubbing to get through all of that and then to watch it multiple times. It, 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 um, doing it this way how, is really painful. How do you know you've seen two of everything of two of everything? Do you, is there an achievement? There's an achievement. It's actually kind of helpful. Yeah, there's an achievement. Um, yeah, which I guess is useful. Uh, the other piece that I was really curious about, like the specific one that we left hanging as a thread in our previous episode, was like, why is Marissa, like, why does she just start bleeding out of her nose, right, in that scene? And going back, and I didn't realize that the one was inhabiting both her and the other, the actor, uh, John. So she was Marissa and John, and that because she was trying to handle both people at all times, that it was like draining her. And that's why she was losing control. And like, it was starting to show up through physical manifestations of those people that she like was losing control over. And I was, that helped understand a little bit of that, but I still. In that scene, there's somebody in the background shouting, where's John? So, I mean, that does kind of lean toward that. There's also another scene where, um, it's this interesting scene where she's spinning the phone. I don't know if you guys saw this scene, but it's the her body double trying to decide whether or not she's going to do the um the the show for the billionaire, whether or not she's going to do it. Mm. And she decides to and calls up the phone and calls Marissa and, and they figure it out. And at the end of the scene, she stands up, walks over and lays next to John on the floor. And then there's like three people over them going like, what's going on? And they're just like laying on the ground there. It's really weird. There's a reverse scene where she stands up and does a different scene out of it. It's it's weird. I don't quite understand the context or what the heck's going on, why why they're laying on the floor. Um, that one really confused me. Interesting. I'm not sure either. The other piece, Will, just real quick, about when like Marissa was bleeding, the person that was holding onto her like very calmly at that point was Amy, who was inhabited by the other one also. Like saying hey, I understand, like, what's happening here. And, and you could actually, there was a reverse scene on that that actually had that exact thing happening. So Yeah, okay. Oh, that's right. You. Yeah, they were yeah. holding each other in that scene. And she was, like, running dry, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, exactly. Like, just too much. But then the person that came in to hold her was Amy, who was inhabited by the other one um, and so understood I, kind of what was happening there. Yeah. Or possibly anybody... a third figure, if you're Will. Does anybody feel like what's the main character of this game again? Mars Marisa Basel. Yeah, Marisa Marcel. Not now I can't say it because Nate had to do that. <laughs> Does anybody feel like that character was just kind of like very intriguing and then thrown away? I mean, isn't that the point of the character? Like the character is meant that... to be a muse. Yeah, you hit on the plot of the game really well. Yeah. Tell me tell me more about know, what you mean. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if that means that I don't like the plot of the game, though. You know what I mean? It's like I, okay, I guess that was the point. But also I feel like they could have done better with this character than had it being possessed by a one. I kinda wanna dig more into how you feel like the more you're learning about this game, the more it's kind of fallen apart for you. It sounds like the general high level from that to me was you kind of wish it was just about putting together the movies and there was no supernatural involvement. 
I wish there was more detective work to putting together the movies. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Would that involve a different between the items is really random. Doesn't feel like you're. Um, I think we talked about this on a previous podcast where the thing about making a choice about making a decision is is knowing what left and right mean, what the repercussions of those choices um, is it, it, that being an informed decision is what makes it feel like a choice. If you're just picking left or right, it doesn't, I mean, who cares? Throw throw a coin, right? Um, yeah, that's right. It was in uh, the Markiplier podcast where there's a, a section, oh, yeah. a bunch of questions that's just like left or right, left or right, left or right. And it's like, there's no contact, no nothing. So like we have some foresight um, and there, there's a little bit of that where it's like, oh, there's a gun on scene for the first time. Let's see where the gun goes. Or, oh, I'm really clever that I figured out I could use the clapboards. And so now I'm getting into scenes that I probably wouldn't be able to, right? But there, there's a little bit of that. But, you know, once you get four hours into the game, it's just like, okay, what's a th- object in this room? Where can I you go You literally now? just described two of my favorite parts of the game, the gun and the clapboard part. <laughs> like, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Like, nailed it, like. That was, and that is what ties it back to her story for me, where it's like, my favorite part about her story was trying to not, not solve a puzzle, but uncover the mystery, you know, like do detective work, pay attention to things that she said and try to pick apart what a different meaning of that could be to solve the mystery. But here, I feel like they just made this impossible mystery that can be interpreted in different ways and like Will said, you just kind of randomly pick things to find out what that was. Where yeah, yeah. when I was introduced to the game, it was like solve the mystery of what happened to this uh, Marissa lady, yeah. and that Explicitly, wasn't it at all. Like, what happened to Marissa? Yeah, and it's like, well, I know what happened to her, but why? I don't know. I think we need to spend a few months to figure that out. I guess. It gets to two points there where for Will looking for like direct action within the scenes or specific items to help pull that together. And the game seems intent at every point to be like, we're not about specific things. We're about themes, right? Like we're about talking about general statements or maybe even specific statements in some places of talking about some of the pieces that Nate had on earlier as far as like sexism or classism or artist ambitions, right? Like nothing ever gets released in any of these places. Like ambition outstrips everything here um, or the ambition of the one or the other one and like what they're trying to do, right? It's all like big messy things that don't tie into a candle or a gun or So we're responding to... The game claims to be about Marissa Marcel, but Marissa Marcel is merely a vehicle in getting at what the game is actually about. And so it's the game. Just like Marissa Marcel is a vehicle for the one. Yeah. Which makes and us the one. I, I yeah. Sure. I just don't know if I care about any of it though. So meta. But with the, I, I was the second part to me that I'm hearing is that the interactivity we're offered is all kind of a farce. We just need to like point around at random things long enough for the game to dole out messages. Sadly, yeah. Which I think is a fair criticism of moving the 
the accessibility of the mechanics in this direction. Like, do I, I imagine I could have unfurled the story if I, at every point, I went to the end of a scene and clicked on whatever object was the closest to the top left. Probably. And is eventually, that like, started rolling away from them. I mean, this is like a Wikipedia thing. You know, I, you know that Wikipedia where eventually all Wikipedia articles go to math where they used to? Really? Go to what? There's an XKCD article about this where if you open a Wikipedia article and take the first Wikipedia link, they will all eventually get to, I think it's actually it's like philosophy or something, like everything eventually gets back to um, that. And But since the writing of that article, um, people are, have intentionally made it not true. It's like a self-denying prophecy thing. thing. But, you know, same kind of concept where, uh, uh, you know, yeah. most it will eventually have a date and dates get to numbers and numbers get to like a philosophy and eventually you always get back to the same things. Like that Jim Carrey movie. Parent Trap? 51st Dates? I don't think either of those are Jim Carrey movies. Ace Ventura? I was talking about the number 13, I think, is, is the number. I couldn't remember what the number was. I thought somebody would jump in there. Seven. But he's not in that. Is that bad? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. But I do think Thanks that, for like, us back, Nate. if it it's an ex, it's an expectation thing. If you think you're here to solve this, the game is kind of constantly nudging you away from that. The more the game goes on, and that may be disappointing if you're not like. I want to jump in here because um, I didn't say mine yet. But the first thing I looked up was oh, yeah, how the mechanics the with the reversing time worked. Um, of course, the first oh, things that I'm curious, actually enables it. Yeah, how does it work? What is what am I looking for? What am I actually trying to do? Um, uh, which I found very little filling answers. It's, it turns out it's as yeah. funky as it seems. Um, I ended up finding, and I'm not sure if it's just my manual dexterity or whatnot, but it's easier for me to get into the reverse scenes if I use the right stick instead of the left stick. I don't know if that's a thing or Interesting. not. Interesting. Um, Oddly specific. Yeah, all about mechanics. And one of the mechanics that I kind of shat myself when I figured out at the end of my playthrough yesterday, which was kind of like the end of my last playthrough, is that if you go into the image select mode and hit left and right on the D-pad, it just scrolls through the things that you can select on the screen. <laughs> Do you guys know that? Wait. I did not know that. I feel like I mean. Oh yes, you guys on don't the, care. Like or the items on the screen. Mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did find that out that you could just like toggle between everything that was on the screen, which made yeah. it very easy. So to rather be like, than like, is there stuff I can touch here? It's just like yeah, you can just like cycle through everything that's available that to interact. Yeah. So with. rather than like mouse through every pixel on the screen to feel like in this frame, is there something I can hit? I can just side, 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 side. Okay. I, I use that a little bit, but I found it to be too many items in too many screens that you'd end up just cycling through a bunch of stuff when I was trying to get to a specific item. But it was useful if there was like a screen where I'm thinking, is there something else here that I should be interacting with that I'm not actively wheeling over in the specific way it wants me to? Sometimes I think that's true. But I also found that I was able to kind of understand the context and understand the scenes better. Um, there was stuff like there's a scene where Maria is in a bathtub and she's got cucumbers over her, her eyes 
I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, one. I, I do. And they wiggle. One. Yeah, yeah. The the cucumbers do in fact wiggle. Um, but that's like the whole scene, wiggle, right? Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And before I kind of figured this context thing out, I was under the impression that if you click on somebody's face, that's just their face, and it's just you go through it. But it actually turns out because I figured out the context there, her face is one of them, but the cucumbers are one of something, and her lips are a different thing because there's you can follow lips to lips to lips in a couple of different scenes too. Um, so there are scenes like that where like somebody was holding a a, cro- a a bloody cross in their hand, right? And so you can go through hands, you can go through the cross, you can also go through the blood. Um, but how you would have, you know, just randomly picked the right pixel to go to one of those three things is beyond me until I yeah. know, found this method of selecting. Because it was only sometimes when there'd be that much detail. A lot of the times it would just be one of those things is all you could click on. Um, yeah. And no, I never saw that overlay or way to do it, but I also was playing with mouse and keyboard. So no, there's other scenes like at, at the diner where there's just so much stuff and you're like, holy crap, there's 30 things to click on in this scene. And then you hit the side and it's like, actually, it's only six. They're just laid out in an mm. interesting way. So it was the movie, the number 23 with Jim Carrey, where he finds out how significant the number 23 is and then it starts affecting his life. Seems like my segue was not successful after all, because we're back. Oh, man. I think another theme of this game is the way... Let's go into theme and controversy, gentlemen. Another theme of this game is the way Hollywood treats women. And there was some feminist hubbub on the internet about how you can't uh, recreate the conditions of uh, female exploitation and claim that you're making uh, meaningful commentary on the subject. As in, if we're like objectifying Marissa Marcel being mostly like nude or halfway nude in most of these scenes, can we really be making meaningful commentary on the fact that Hollywood often like rotates around the objectification of the female body? Um, I do think that this game mainly is about the exploitation of artists and like their compulsions and the way they're driven. I don't think this game is so much about, I mean, I certainly didn't see the primary theme being like about women, though there's obviously the whole thing of the director trying to like shape her arc as like and corrupt her and stuff like there, it is saying stuff about that. So I guess I was just curious, bad rambling prelude. What, like, what do we think about, like, what is this movie saying about women? Is that a big takeaway we had from it? Women in Hollywood. Sorry. That kind of goes back to my problem with it, where I feel like I was expecting it to go somewhere with that, but I don't, I'm not convinced that it does go anywhere with it. It just has it, you know? I, I, yeah, I kind of feel that way too. Yeah. Will, you've got a real good look on your face. What, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm just thinking like, there's like some things are said offhand back and forth where... Um, like you were describing, he's like, oh, in this movie, I'm trying to corrupt this woman or, you know, show this woman as being becoming corrupt and this one is becoming innocent. Like, ah, okay, kind of. Um, there's stuff in um, Minsky where Minsky is like literally treating his women as objects, but then they do basically turn around and do the same thing to the detectives. So, you know, I guess, I don't know. Um, the In the third movie, Two of Everything... They're like, the whole thing is how they're like trying to 
these women are interchangeable. They, they're just pieces. It doesn't really matter which is which. But that's kind of... But one, the women choose to do that to themselves. And um, like part of the movie is explicitly saying, yes, this is what the industry is doing. Um, and it's like specifically calling it out. I don't... I don't know. I don't know about it. Yeah. I mean, the and, whole way through. And in Minsky, isn't she kind of the femme fatale like she's the one in power and using her sexuality in a lot of different ways to maintain power over men yeah but then that i mean i think a hardcore feminist film theorist would say like yes but men are directing her in that role like it's isn't the one played by a female playing the director in that moment now we're getting somewhere this is fun <laughs> <laughs> I was. I'm trying to remember back if that's actually where that's at in that I, space. That might. I think that's true. Yeah. I don't think she starts directing until the third movie. But hmm. yeah, it might be the other one inhabiting at that point, which is a man. So, uh, but I to get to your original point, Nate. I I didn't come into this or come out of this thinking that that was a primary statement that was trying to be made, right? The other things that I came out of it from were like the themes around either ambition or like there's just a bunch of different pieces that are hit on. Although maybe that's the folly that I see within this is that there's no one clear theme that is the steel thread throughout all of these stories outside of, I guess, an artist's ambition. I think that um, as far as the theme you're talking about, I feel like Polly's description was, was good on that one. It's like these things just kind of are in there. They don't like, they're not um, it eliciting any specific emotion or reaction for me. For me, and maybe it's because of the, the recent Adam Baldwin thing, um, but all of the... Oh. Yeah, what? Uh... Sorry, put you on the spot. Sensitivity <laughs> warning or whatever, I guess. Very recently, uh, Adam Baldwin, while filming a movie, uh, was handed a live weapon. Alec Baldwin, right? Alec Baldwin. Oh. I've been screwing up. Okay. Yes. Yes. Pointed a loaded weapon at the camera woman, killed the camera woman, and shot the director. And so... All of these pro portrayals of like accidents on set, deaths happening on screen, all of those things have been way more like vivid and and um, uh, like emotionally reacting, uh, triggering. I don't know what word you want to use. Like those things have been way more intense to me. Like um, if you want to call that the consumption or the using up of an actor or an artist or an actress, then then maybe we're getting onto something. But but those are the things that that seem to like really be wanting to elicit shock and emotion, like burning somebody on camera. Like there's 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 a bunch of you know pretty uh, explicit imagery um, toward those kinds of things. That that uh, is a theme that's pretty provocative to me. I feel like. They're, I'm not saying that they didn't do it for any reason or anything like that. I feel like there could be reasons that you could pull out of it, like the whole Ambrosio thing with like 
this is a holy man who's well-respected, but he's tempted away. But really, once you get like a look behind the scenes, how tempted was he? He was kind of always a dick, you know, like there could be some parallels drawn to the director of that movie who seemed pretty nice. But then behind the scenes, you saw him like being inappropriate and doing bad things. I just don't know how much it was needed or how much it landed it. And maybe it's because of the way you uh, consume this where it's all in pieces. And maybe I don't remember everything that happened. Um, Well, maybe that's why it doesn't land as well for me. I'm not sure. It's an interesting question, Nate. I just don't know because of that, if it actually was worth it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. There's nothing really yeah. quite so great a crowd to talk about exploitation of women minorities, like a group of four white guys. <laughs> That's <laughs> correct. There is part of me that I'm like, I don't feel prepared to uh, to have a statement here, or like I should. Um, well, sure, but if, I mean, the other alternative is we just don't mention it at all. Yeah, fair, fair play. Like the way the camera treats women was noticed by me in this film. I will say. Which camera? <laughs> the game's camera? The director's camera? The objects you may or may not have I mean, clicked on? Your yeah, I was going to say, most of all, my <laughs> camera, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> like, that's the thing, right? We talked about the boob clicks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I did not click on the boobs. I'm proud of you. But, I mean, like, yeah. I, I, yeah, all of that's kind of interesting. I think a general theme of the of a lot of critical, like high-minded critical consensus of this game is that it, it is really shooting for a lot of things. It doesn't really wrap up a lot of them, but it's yeah. but it's not really the type of thing that makes you feel like it's supposed to be totally ambiguous. Also, right. That's the that's like the piece that much, I'm. He had a much better ending than he did with her story. I le- I really appreciate. I still like the ending of her, her story. I have to remember back. What was the ending of her story? Spoilers. It's whenever for her you story. feel it doesn't have an ending. It's like <laughs> it's when you feel you like feel you feel satisfied. Yeah, when it, when you oh. when remember you feel the, like you. How do I know solved, if I'm satisfied? Yeah. Like I actually really appreciate that because I felt like I dug in until I was satisfied, and at which point I was able to walk away with it. And I still want to share that experience with people. Yeah, I think in some ways, when I told you all to play this game, when I'd seen enough to know that there was like commentary about art, like right when you get to that point, you're like, oh, I kind of see what's going on here. It, it it does feel like kind of the ideal place to put this game down, but I don't think quite as in as bad of a way as Will maybe was afraid of last time we recorded. Fair. Looks like you're looks like you're thinking, Will. You got some or Craig? No, maybe this is a concluding thought. I was about to hit you up with. Well, here, maybe feel free to tell me if this is basically where you guys want to go with the conclusion. But I was going to ask, I think the last thing I kind of wanted to say is earlier I brought up the Hayes Code and this idea that maybe Sam Barlow is making some kind of statement about where the video game industry is relative to where the film industry has been. Did this game, what what did this feel like as a game to you guys? Does this give you critical thoughts about where the game industry is at present? Did this move the medium forward for you guys? Is this a big deal or is this just a pretty cool game? 
this uh you remind me because i noticed something as i was doing this research that there was a review by uh one roger ebert of this game um wait what actually i was really does seem like that's cool interesting uh now i want to i didn't actually remember that's actually one of the things I was going to say was like any like key takeaways from people that we found in research and things like that. Roger Ebert like, died like a yeah, long that's time what, ago. Just Maybe it's that. on yeah. his website it his or foundation? something. Yeah, it might what, have been. I think his I website they, still might be doing did, reviews. Did they so. ignore his epitaph that video games aren't art? That, that's why I. That's why I was particularly okay, curious. Okay, I got it. Got it. Okay, just all right. fucked yeah, up all the point, of... Nate. All right, all right. Yep. Yeah. Was his... I'm the everyman. Oh, I did read this article, and that's the one I was kind of referring to when we were talking to Polly. Um, but yeah, I was curious because, like, if he was still of the of, of the idea that video games aren't art, is this close enough to... Uh, of? Yeah, that would have... Anyway, yeah, sorry. I guess this means this isn't a game. I don't but feel I, like I think it would have feel... much effect on the games, just like the previous games didn't. I mean, they're kind of just operating in their own bubble, aren't they? I just don't think this conversation even exists anymore. We're not asking, is this art? I mean, I was jokingly for a minute about the... Whoever the fuck, Siskel or Ebert, they're one concept to me, but... Like... No, but I... I do you, favorite I think two-parter. That, like, this fuck the you thing asked that makes the haze code fuck. the thing that makes me feel weird and uncomfortable is because they're doing things in this game that are normal in like a rated R movie but for a video yep. game they feel weird and i feel like that's exactly what you're asking right there's this weird is it okay, a game is it a video is it a movie where all of a sudden the rules and the context is different and appropriate and acceptable um, and like you said, you know, whether our comics code, movie code, um, video game code, whatever they are at the same time, because they don't line up perfectly, we're in the same cultural context, but whether or not this thing that we're doing is appropriate, um, feels like he's playing with that line. And I feel like that's kind of what you were pointing or poking, pointing us toward. Is that right, Nate? Yeah, I think so. I think the fact that there were no dicks, but there were boobs in this film is kind of interesting. I mean, I guess there wasn't also female crotch. I don't know. There's a big old man butt. There were man butts, for sure. Like, there's Well, just... the question could also be if it matters if there's boobs in <laughs> at all, you know. Um, it, this whether is a... or not they're sexualized, I guess, is really the question. And well, if that sexualization of... is empowering for the female or if it's exploitative, all those questions that are there. Like the scene that I keep going back to is the the awkward scene when I was playing with you and Craig watching. And it's like the table read where the one and the other one are having sex on the table while they're describing a sex scene at the table read. And I have no idea what the <laughs> goal of that scene was, what they were trying to say, what the point of it was. It didn't feel exploitative other than like I don't I don't know. I have no idea. Sometimes I, it was just nudity for Yeah, I guess I there's have no a, idea. Uh a perception when I hear the word exploited that, you know, your director is like, you have to take your shirt off or this is never gonna be released 
and you know um your contract says you have to do this or you're never going to go anywhere in the business if you don't th- this you know kind of explicit quid pro quo or you know a, a blackmail or a power dynamic or something like that um like those are what i think of when i think of exploitation and maybe my um concept is too narrow but like everybody in that scene seemed willing and able and like they were putting themselves out there nobody seemed none of the actresses or actors seemed like they were doing anything they were uncomfortable doing um but but also that's part like, of it is like they're at work so they wouldn't be they shouldn't act like they're bothered by it because it's their job but that doesn't mean that they're happy with it either i mean there's yeah, actresses a- that run into the same spot and they're like oh well, I will just hire a bar- hire a body double, you know, a concept that's literally in this game. Like, I am not comfortable putting my body on screen, so let's pay somebody else to do it, right? Um, like, that's seeing somebody be like, okay, this is the scene, the nude scene. Somebody else is going to stand in because I'm not comfortable doing this. And, you know, you have the conversation, well, you know, the film will make a lot more money if you're the one in here. And, oh, man, maybe I guess I should. There's none of that. There's no, like cajoling yeah, no except trying to change people's minds that the main character is literally being controlled by some sort of demon vampire <laughs> i mean that's the thing there's how do you know what this is trying to be said when there's that layer going on behind all of it okay and i think okay. another thing is <laughs> exploitation is something the audience the the consuming from a cultural perspective exploitation is the fact that movies with scandalous scenes draw more crowds we all participate in exploitation as well that drives the power dynamic behind these sets it's not just there are abusive men in hollywood it's that these abusive men create situations that then are viewed by millions of people and the conversations around those things drives more traffic to them it's like a it's an exploitative system yeah i don't know i'm not denying that that exists i just don't know how much of it was in this game or how much of it was meant by the movies or if it's just being read into by the movies really i I don't think that they needed that part didn't need to be here at all because i didn't feel any like resolution to any of those questions i more meta layers beneath that you could keep going down i mean i think a big part of this game overall is throwing up like a bunch of thoughts about what creativity is in this industry and out of it i don't think any of them were supposed to have a firm conclusion, and I think the game kind of tricks you. It's it's an expectations thing. It asks you a very straightforward question that appears to have a black and white answer, and then the game is really just a bunch of like, here's Sam Barlow's personal feelings on the film industry, which is, I like that a lot. It felt very personal and cool and intimate and great as a work of like art, but that's like capital A art, and as a work of game design, I feel like that kind of weakens uh the overall result so i guess i'm saying the fact that it like engaged with it enough to make me think about women in hollywood and the exploitation is like enough for me but the way some people i saw talking about it made me feel like it might have been saying more than i actually felt it was so and it sounds like i you kind of y'all kind of agree with that yeah i agree with that on a broader sense though like the exploitation of women was not the one specific point that i would have honed in on for this it was it's all of the other points that you brought up right it's that there's a bunch of themes introduced in a bunch of different ways and 
essentially none of them get a closing perspective, which to your point, you, you get either one way or the other of that, of you get to walk away with it and, and think about how that does impact or what you think of art or how you think it was presented, or you get to walk away being like, cool, you said a bunch get... of things, but I'm not sure if you said anything. Yeah how, yeah, how like experimental film of it where it's just like, how did that make you feel? I'm not going to tell you what, what does that I mean, feel. though, bro? <laughs> I know? didn't answer it, but what do you and think? Do, do I need... Would Tolstoy find this to be art, Nate? Oh, boy. There's another hour <laughs> on this recording. Well, let me ask you this, Craig. Did it express the author's feeling clearly and purely in a way that even a peasant could understand? No. Well, then this ain't art, friends. If you guys couldn't tell, I read a book recently that I've been thinking too much about. Tolstoy's What is Art? It's pretty fun. It sounds very fun. He absolutely <laughs> hates Wagner. <laughs> Fuck you, Polly. That was your your description of it did not sound fun. I thought that's what you were going for. <laughs> I thought it was fun. It was an honest description. <laughs> it was fun. Anyway. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. Before we just jump right Is into it that, though, did, racing game of our own conclusion, well. did, did we come across with what we looked up as a conclusion, or did we just talk about the themes? Is what I'm unsure of. Actually, I have, I didn't find anyone that provided a here was the point of this thing into a synopsis. Yeah. Did anyone? No, I, I feel like the... I found things that people said, but it's not about. <laughs> I saw things that things talk about the themes, like the artistic intent or expression or those sorts of of stuff. Reviews. I was expecting to go out there and find a wiki that's like, follow this. This item is in these three scenes and follow it to this. And this person, and this is the story of this person for references. See this, this like. I was expecting to go read a Wikipedia article that just had the you know Cliff Notes version of this game. Yeah, um, and I'm a little. Surprised it's almost like you were yet. still trying to solve the mystery that the game asked you to solve. It's almost <laughs> like that. Yeah, you went don't, outside uh, of the game to do it. And... Don't Google what is the point of immortality. Not useful I, I, answers. <laughs> yeah, that's not <laughs> immortality. <laughs> parentheses game game. <laughs> Just a bunch of vampires writing reviews of living forever. <clears throat> oh, well, I'm curious if. You seem like the kind of mad lad that would watch this. Did you find, has anyone edited all the clips into linear sequence? Um, there's a I've... Uh, strategy guide for getting the all achievements, which is basically just that. Um, so that you can look at a scene and be like, oh, there's a frog in this scene. Let me go find all the frogs so that I can get to this scene. I um, think there's been a couple of YouTube compilations as well, but I think you start to end up that would be content- chaos territory also of like explicit content that you can't put on youtube oh right interesting put explicit content on youtube i i don't think you can put nudity on youtube sounds like someone's not been very adventurous in their porn searches what's the whole point of having the mature no points you can't put the points on there (laughs) (laughs) oh my god points pasties (laughs) there was one takeaway that i did see come up where people were talking about like it's a critique of the auteur in general 
right? Like that makes a lot of sense. Film, but also a little funny since Sam Barlow is kind of known as the auteur of these things, although it's clearly made by a ton of people. I looked up one oh. review, the Washington Post one I talked about earlier. Wapo. I like the way that they close it. We're kind of saying something, but not really. Okay, let's hear it. The writer is Mikhail Klimentov. Um, some writers have described immortality as being about burnout or autorism. The final few scenes can be read as evidence for that theory. That's not quite right, akin to saying Star Wars is about space. Artistry does not grant privileged access to decency or good nature. That is what the game is, not what it's about. It's text, not subtext. For so long as immortality uses that as a starting point to probe further, it is a high watermark for gaming in 2022. When the characters are allowed to be people, not vampires or aliens, nor angels, but people who are tired, embarrassed, horny, funny, naive, voyeuristic, creepy, and more, each frame's richness is its own reward. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, that's great. Beautiful. That's the whole point of this, right? We were just supposed to look up smart people and then say it, like you said it? Yep. All right, did it. Yeah, I was like, I'm back back in on this. Yeah, we're all doing the type monkeys at a typewriter thing. Um, I think we, Craig, you and I watched the interview with Charlotte Martin. We did. Uh, that offered some, like, she has the perspective of what Barlow told her to do in the casting. So that offers some kind of, like, slightly more concrete thoughts, doesn't it? Doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. He's directing for three different levels, right? So. That part was interesting of like, hey, you're directing someone that's being inhabited by someone else who also has conflicting thoughts of possibly who they were. You're, yeah, but you're directing somebody acting. to be... Isn't, isn't acting a bit more important than directing, really? Well, both of them are easy. You just got to pretend. Just pissed off someone there's listening? A, directing a... is like, do this, but good. And then the other person does it. Wow. There's a scene in... Sure, and being a manager is just about hiring good people and then letting them all do all the work. There's a scene in Two of Everything where they're doing a um, a Tonight Show interview, but they got a like real Tonight Show actor to play the person in the movie. And it's funny because you can tell that he's really like off the cuff. We're just going to say whatever and try to make the actress feel like at home whereas the actress is like at this with a very specific script and like at the end of that scene he's like yeah okay it felt good we got we got there at the end we had a pretty good conversation and then uh, she's like yeah but the director's got all kinds of notes for you for how you fuck this up <laughs> hey it's like our audience <laughs> probably true what did we all think of this game is it a game? You, I think I would, you dismissed us say, earlier for this so, question being awful. So you didn't want me to ask that question for the YouTube video that we watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here you say, it, and I, I would absolutely say this is a game. It's it's a very creative game. They did different things. I didn't want to actually ask this question. Yeah, it's okay. definitely a game. 
Is it better than a racing game? What incredible things did we say? If if a DVD is a game because it has a menu, Immortality has a menu, therefore it's a game. I feel like it's a game, but it's a fast-forwarding and rewinding simulator. So is Forza. (laughs) Well, that's true. Only if it's a racing game. Wait, hold on. (laughs) This is another job simulator, right? Like, aren't you operating the Moviola machine? Yeah, this is this yeah. isn't a film game. This is in the like uh, Papers Please class of games. It's meant to be made by Lucas Pope. I don't know uh, anything about Moviola machines and how realistic they are, but what this reminded me of the scene from the horror movie where you go to the library and look through the microfilm. Microfiche. Yes, microfiche. And then you get murdered. No, not or that not, part. Well, I don't know. Did that actually. happen in this game? I'd like to. No, get murdered. Okay. I don't think so. What happened to Marissa Marcel? She got burnt, from what I understand. Consumed. Crispy. By the, who I'm well called. All right. There's one. You reminded me. There's one piece that I still am not sure about. I want to come back to. Yes. You guys keep talking about them as inhabiting somebody. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But she very explicitly says that she, like, conjured Marissa out of nowhere for the third movie. Yes, that was my counter-argument last time, wasn't it? Oh, maybe. I don't you did bring it up If she conjured time. her for the third movie, then she was already there for the first two movies, no? So that wouldn't be out of nowhere. I did not find out what specifically happened in that like 30 year gap that she went. Yeah, it's, it's still as suspicious she looks even younger. Yeah. Although in the films, like the, in the reviews on YouTube, I saw people described her as looking like spent. And I was like, she looks younger than ever to me, but what do I know? I, I'm going back to. I don't know that I think that Marissa Marcel exists as a different entity than the one. But she does say that when she first found her in a farmhouse or something like that. I remember that scene. Yeah. And they came up to, she asked if she was an angel. All right, well, maybe that one on the table is is, uh, still being... Unsettled. What's it been like? Three hours of podcasting, and we just asked what happened to Marissa Marcel, and we're like, oh. <laughs> no, I answered. She got burnt. Oh, you did. You did. That is the definitive answer. It's unsettling. All right. She's on crunchy roll. Out of here. I, I want to know. I, I, we've talked a lot, but Will, what did you think of this game? What are your final thoughts? I was skeptical coming into this game and was pleasantly surprised. I found. A lot more in the mix early on. I was really impressed by the sense of wander wonder in this game. Um, oh how, yeah, and um, a little bit let down as it became eventually a point and click and find everything to point and click just to be able to unlock everything toward the end of the game. But I thought that a lot of the stories, a lot of the particularly, I really liked the one character playing three characters inhabited by two characters and so I could look at a scene and not understand it and understand it a different way and then understand it a third different way when I actually understood all the context 
So there was a lot of really cool stuff around there that I just really wasn't expecting. Um, I feel pretty happy that I played this game in the end. Um, not perfect because it didn't, you know, come home perfectly, but it's probably like a nine to me. What you think, Polly? Having not finished the game and maybe not being interested in finishing it after podcasting on it for so long. <laughs> no, I still definitely uh, would like to finish it. I, I would have loved to finish this game. I've just been traveling a lot recently, a lot of trips, a lot of work, been busy. Um, I would still like to mess around with this some more to get my final kind of thoughts out of it. I just feel like I've already, I'm already kind of clear on what I wanted to get out of it, and it's not what I'm going to get. If that detective feel is something that I felt I would be getting from this supernatural aspect, that's what would have knocked it over the fences for me. If I felt like, okay, they've unlocked this whole new mystery, and now I get to really dig in. This is where the game begins. But instead, I feel like what's happening is, oh, this is where the game falls apart. Um, they're just going to do some artistic nonsense and not really explain anything. And not that I need an explanation for any, everything, but that that's where I was getting the most enjoyment from it was trying to figure out the mystery. Instead, it feels like you're just going to get more confused. So that's kind of what I feel like is letting me down about it. I still like it. I still don't think it's going to um, be as memorable to me as her story was. Um I don't feel like this is something that I'll be able to go back to, but I do think it's interesting um, in that they keep kind of doing the same thing in different ways and it still feels fresh somehow, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'm also very curious about what Sam Barlow does compared to the rest of the people on the team and how much of a our author as we've said before and things like that he is and how much of this is a group project and things like that so that's something i might want to look more into this is absolutely something i wish no clip would do something on right like i would oh. love danny o'dwyer to go do a documentary on this of how they made this and also how they made the three films just all of that would be fascinating I love that There's idea. a little bit of info also on the Half Mermaid blog about kind of some stages during this, long-form interviews with Sam uh, from other members of the team. It seems like a really healthy amount of uh, communication and engage. Like, it doesn't seem like he's the dickish auteur. It definitely seems like a team environment, which is cool. Well, well the reason I ask is because this is so much different than other video games where normally I'd be like, oh, like, if the characters felt real you would think like oh let's look into the like animators and all these other things we're here it's Character literally a voice actor yeah. or an actress that is like doing such a powerful performance like the, there... the acting in this game i feel like is is superb in, yeah in so many different ways um so like it's kind of a different thing that I, a different feeling of what went into the game that i'm getting out of it and there's not a whole lot in the game space to compare that to. Like you have like, what is that uh, British studio that did like the complex we played through those those other full motion video games? Wales Interactive? Yeah. Like that is like much campier, much less respectable acting, I guess I could say if I'm a dick. <laughs> it's just not that same level of quality, so... 
Yeah, I mean, have we looked up what else uh, Menon Gage has been in? No. She is on on IMDb. These films are on IMDb, kind of like we mentioned last time. You just keep bringing that up. Real live girl. She was in Mank, Woman on Train. All right. She was a producer in Real Live Girl. Interesting. So the only other thing I would say is the whole idea. Uh, I guess the supernatural aspect or the beings that are that are I guess is what I'll say to not be too spoilery is it uh, I would highly recommend what this what that idea makes me think of is the movie Man from Earth which I think this is the second podcast I've brought this up on Jerome Bixby's (laughs) Man from Earth Um, you should watch that movie that's a good fucking movie and they do this idea uh a similar concept to this idea, much better in my opinion. What'd you think, Craig? Oh man. It's a great question. I've feel like I've gone on a loop de loop as I've worked through my thoughts on this game. And really that's transpired by the expectations of what this was as I started to explore it and explore the films that were set out and also the early on lack of clarity around what you are supposed to be doing, which ties back to Polly mentioning in her story when you're looking at your, you know, when are you satisfied, right? And trying to understand, is this a place where I'm just supposed to explore these clips until there's something that happens, or do I keep going further? And as the story starts to unravel and as you start to explore some of the themes that we've tried to cover off on throughout this right and there starts to be kind of more esoteric feelings evoked about the meaning of you know exploration from art how humanity interacts with art how it starts to open these big questions of hey i've been trying to review and trying to integrate with humanity and it wasn't until film became and we could see that things can be recorded forever and provided back and i can use that and then how does that intersplice with these beings that exist forever and it gives them life as we give it life too by interacting with it and a lot of those larger themes at play continue to like percolate in my mind right and so as as those existed I became more curious about where this was going and it almost feels like it begins to buckle under its own weight by the time we've come through this conversation that the auteur trying to make such a large statement, trying to go after such big topics, ends up not saying a whole lot. Um, And that's a piece that I'm still trying to navigate even as I give my own perspective on this game, is will I continue to think about this after the fact? And if so, you know, that's something that would prove that this was not just a worthwhile endeavor, but also made a meaningful statement on the medium. I think it's too soon to know if that's true, and my gut feeling is I probably won't think about this very much longer. I think it's an interesting exploration and provided some different nuances to takes that we've already started to explore through the medium and tried to bring so many different pieces together. Overall, because of that ambition, I'm super stoked to have played it to have given it a chance to explore it and to try and understand it 
overall, I don't think all the sum of the parts come together to bring that cohesive piece. And for some people, that might be exactly what they wanted. But for me, I would have hoped to have seen a little bit more of a, a closure or at least a thesis presented in a parsable language without three hours of trying to break it down to understand if we even got the point of what it was trying to say. Phenomenal. Um, I'm going to start with three things I love. There's a sense in the middle of this game, and playing alongside with Will certainly helped this, of, oh man, everything that's being said here is expanding the scope of what could be happening. And that never really backed down into, oh, we're in the funnel of what one thing was ever being said. So I, I hear you guys that that's a... Um... That is true. I didn't get enough weight. You didn't give what enough weight? The sense of wonderwunder. Wanderwunder? So that's something I love. I love feeling that way. I, For me personally, I love the idea of the possibilities opening up much more than I love them narrowing it down again. So it's not really... We'll, we'll get to that in a second. I, another thing I love is uh, I really like history. Uh, and in video games, you don't get a lot of like... There's not a lot of engagement with video games or films history in video games. And the fact that this gave me even something to look up and learn about film history and giving me a broader context on that is really cool. And I love that. Can I ask a question, Nate? How on earth are you like so interested in film history? The one guy I know that knows nothing about or watches any movies. I don't get that. Was it just because of the lens of video games? Uh, no, because I like them. It just takes a lot of like focus to watch them. Actually, I've been exploring this in more in therapy. And I think for me, it's really hard to watch film because it exposes you to so much like, I don't want to like, this is really stupid sounding, but for me, it's just hard to watch like people being mean and like evil things happening and watching film, especially the kind of films I like really takes a toll on me. And I don't, it's not a chill activity. It's not fun. So sometimes it's like, I would rather think about film than actually watch it, which I think I'm exploring another conversation of what the hell is pretentious. And I think that's pretentious maybe, but I'm not sure. My partner has been like seeing this firsthand as we watch movies together. And she like, I cry a lot. There's a lot of things that are really hard for me to like handle. And the movies I like the most really push me into those spaces, but it's also not fun. And it's especially with a partner, it's my first long-term relationship, and it's kind of just embarrassing how... Are you aware there are types of movies that <laughs> don't involve these things? Well, I'm or, not aware of that now. For example, I don't think... Like, comedies. I fully hear what you're saying, Nate. I, I'm the same way. I, I like cry that. for most movies, um, whether they're the movies Will's talking about, like Marvel movies, or if they are the the extremely depressing movie that i brought up on the yes. previous podcast um I, I i feel very affected by movies too and it's interesting you mentioned that because i do feel more affected by that by movies um much easier than by video games which yes i, I feel like this group isn't the one to, to talk about that with but <laughs> it is interesting i'm i'm, I'm glad that i asked because that makes sense I think- to me to will's point i feel that way about even silly movies so i kind of have to choose like all right if if a movie where there's like a big bad villain in it, everyone, the hero saves the day, but the thought of that villain being a real archetype that's represented in the human world that affects like the history of our like cult, like 
that affects me just as much. So I tend to like budget, like, okay, I might as well go for something that's like intellectually pretty interesting as well. And I, I kind of have this like scarcity mindset about what I imbibe with film. Anyway, that's kind of a side. Um, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to detract you, but I'm, I'm glad no, that I, you shared that. I mean, I, yeah, I feel I, you, man. I, I, um, it's hard for me to focus on a game when I'm on a plane, but I totally started bawling when I watched ba- Bad Moms on a plane on the back of the um, <laughs> the seat. Um, and I think the third thing I was going to say that I really love is just a philosophical conversation. And it was really cool to me that this game has a lot of thoughts. It's like an excited puppy dog with all these thoughts about art and what it means to do art and make art. And for me, like, I didn't care that any of them were answered because I think they're all kind of unanswerable. And I think we saw enough of answers to get a hint at what Sam Barlow's view might be, but not enough such that it was like you would get, like, these are open questions. There's no one answer. So if you got it shoved down your throat what Sam Barlow thinks the answer is, I think that would suck. But I think one of my weaknesses- I actually agree with that, now that you say that. Woo! I think one of my weaknesses in media and why I love doing the podcast with you guys is I tend to take- media as it's presented to a fault so it's hard for me to think of like how could this be better i just love it for what it is and i don't let expectations kind of control what i want out of a thing other than some you know there's some cases like maybe the fall which we should play part two of by the way um so i think i really appreciate getting together today and kind of talking about all the things that were missing because i totally agree with you guys that is there is like a, a betrayal of what the game says it is versus what it actually is that, that these are interesting things to dig into. And I, I love that I didn't really feel that way, but I totally see it when you guys are talking about it. So I think this is a really cool game. I think it's interesting how it moves Sam Barlow's formula along, whereas it also kind of regresses it in some way. Paula, you're a great like spokesperson to that view that it's kind of like almost a little less satisfying, even though it feels also like a clear advancement in the mechanic. Like I, I'm just really interested where it goes next. Like why isn't Netflix games doing this this is like this is coming out on netflix oh did we know that last time yeah he said that they're just finishing up some of the things to make sure it plays appropriately on it but yeah the interface but they said um it was supposed to be released imminently and that was in october was the last news thing i saw about it fascinating that's really can't imagine trying to play this on a freaking like like a standard remote roku tv of remote or something like that it was hard enough for me to get the timing right with the mouse. It might be one of those like Netflix phone only games or something like that. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to. It's, it's already on iOS, I think. Interesting. That's kind of like their Game Pass with Netflix login sort of service. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I think it'd be cool to see it on the TV, but then we Oh, it is like not on game. iOS yet, but it will be on iOS through Netflix. The mobile so ports we, are published by Netflix. Yeah, so I'm not sure if it'll be playable on a television, but it'll definitely be through the Netflix games on mobile. I see. I it, well, it was Bandersnatch, right? The like, yeah, choose your own. Like that would I be. I believe we brought that up on that. Uh, what's his name in space? Markiplier. Yeah, Markiplier. Yeah, we did. Like these things feel like they'd be a good match for Netflix, but maybe it's like almost too direct. <laughs> anyway. Thank you all for sitting with us through these myriad wandering thoughts. And thank you for playing this with me. Thanks for... Cheers. Thanks, man. Making me... Or telling me to play, even though I didn't. Yeah. Y'all did great. 
Until next time.